Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. Today we're talking about Minute 49, which begins with Loki on the throne and ends with Loki responding to Sif's request. Joining us on the show today, as he's been all this week, we have Matt Carroll, an award-winning podcaster, one of the co-hosts of the MCU cast, which recently won the People's Choice Podcast Award for Best TV and Film Podcast, and founder of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Happy Thor's Day! We're recording this, obviously, to go out on a Thursday, Thor's Day. And so, Matt, as we ask all of our guests, what is your favorite Thor moment from hmm. comics, uh, movies, TV commercials, you just the one moment you think of when you think of why you love the character of Thor. It's more, I like him for a lot of reasons, but the one that like most personally connected with me uh, more recently is uh, I had a really crazy hard year this last year. I had a lot of personal tragedy. Uh, COVID hit my family real hard. And like uh, I, I had, I gained weight. Like I had a lot of like personal issues, just, just a really hard year. And when I see the moment in, uh, Thor or in, in Endgame when he is going, he has, he has gained all that weight. He's lost so much. He's like really in a low place. And then he reaches his hand out to see if he's still worthy and then catches Mjolnir. That's, that's, that's my moment. It just like your value, your worth is not affected by tragedy and trauma that you've gone through and like things that have happened to you. I just really love that moment a lot. I, I still remember hearing you talk about that moment on your podcast about the movie Endgame because as, as someone else who gained weight, you know, about that time, and I think in, in a couple of times you, you've referenced now that scene, I guess not during Ragnarok, but in later podcasts, you've referenced it and I've heard you talk about it and it's just always been so powerful. So, so glad you're here to talk with us and we're going to go into all the great things about this minute in just a moment. We have our Season 4 art up on all of our merch over in the merch store. If you're interested in getting a Season 4 shirt or a mug or something like that, head over to truestory.fm slash Minute and click on Merch. Here we do see not just the shadow, but we see Loki on the throne. And I, I want to go, we're going to talk about it kind of moment by moment, but I want to start, Matt, with just kind of an overall question, because throughout these minutes, Andy and I have been going back and forth talking about what's Loki thinking. And I, I think it's one of the great commentaries on just how good an actor Tom Hiddleston is, that you're never quite sure, is he scheming the whole time, or is he just kind of reacting in the moment, and how much is he actually genuine or sincere? I was talking just last week about how the scene where Loki, you know, confronts his father and his father goes into the Odin sleep. I, I was really struck by how much I believed that Loki was sincerely concerned. What's your take on Loki in this minute? Because I, I admit Loki's attitude in this minute really throws me compared to everything else we've seen. I wonder if it's just me or how other people see it. What, what do you kind of think is in Loki's head as he's is having this minute? It really goes back to like, what he's gone through in this movie so far. He like has had his world torn apart, right? Like he believed one thing about himself. He always kind of, I think had like this, like 
little brother relationship with Thor because Thor has always been the sort of favored brother. And he just found out that that's because Thor's the real son and he's not. And it's sort of this deception that he's lived with his whole life has come to light. And that's what like motivates all of his actions in this movie. And I think it's, he is seeking a place to belong. And so this is the scene where we see what is his real goal? Like, if he's going to be on the throne, he thinks he's successfully gotten rid of Thor. He's successfully gotten rid of Odin. Now, what does he want to do? And his first words are, my friends. Like, he wants to take the place of the favored son. These are kind of Thor's friends, right? Uh, and he's like, he's like, these are my friends. Uh, my friends, come into my throne room. And he also, but he doesn't trust himself or his ability to make them real friends. He can only do it through, like, power. And so he goes over them and like, I think that he is trying to, he's trying to find a place to belong, but he's never been able to do that. And now he's feeling like all this stuff with him being from Jotunheim, like is making him, it's sort of unraveling the truth that he really doesn't belong here. And so he's sort of like forcing his way into belonging. And it kind of goes back to an earlier minute, uh, which I was not here for, but when he Let's the Jotuns in to kill Odin, but then saves Odin's life. That's 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 already happened, correct? That has not happened. Oh, my bad. No, my that bad. Not I'll yet. strike it from the record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I've, I've, as, as you've said, we're not spoiling here um, to to mention that. But like that that moment always surprised me when I first watched this movie because like it's not that he's wanting to go back to his home his original home because he doesn't belong there either. He's a, he's been raised on Asgard. This is his the only home he's ever known. And like, it looks in that moment, like he's actually going to let them kill Odin, but he doesn't, he goes in and rescues Odin. And it's like, Oh, he just wants to finally be the favored son. Like he wants to actually like Thor has disgraced himself. And he like sees this moment to maybe slide into Thor's place. It, it's so interesting because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge exactly where Loki's, you know, what he was originally intending. Like, was he just hoping to screw up Thor's coronation by having the Frost Giants come in? Did he really want Thor to go down to Jotunheim and attack the Jotuns? Or is he constantly evolving it because of certain things that he's done are put into place? And by this point, like, I, I start thinking, like, if he had it, like, if this whole thing of realizing that he actually was a Jotun... If that hadn't happened and and he was just, you know, a regular old kid that had been raised by Odin, would he still be reacting the same way as he is right now on the throne? Or or like is is the fact that now he's a Jotun, is that kind of pushing him a little more like now I really just don't feel like I belong? Uh, like I'm so curious about like everything going through his head right now. Hmm. And that's part of why I ask about this minute, because, Matt, I have a very different read of it than you do. And I, I think you're starting to convince me, maybe. But and I've talked all this podcast about how my first memory of the movie is that Loki is insincere and scheming the whole time. And now I think I've watched much more detail. I definitely believe that Loki is, is having genuine emotions for a lot of it. I have to say, though, I think this is the scene that really had made me think otherwise, because I don't get any of that in this. To me, he comes off as so insincere. For sure. This is the I was the runt of the litter and everyone else is going to think me king. And I know y'all are never going to believe it. But, you know, like, honestly, what goes through my head is he's saying, like, my friends, I'm so sad about this. Is The words I hear is, I'm afraid the shield generator will be quite operational when your friends arrive, you know, from the emperor in Star Wars of 
there's no sincerity at all. And especially in that, like, you know, later we're going to see Stiff is like, sure, your majesty. And it's very clear she's not sincere either. I kind of have to believe that in some level, Loki knows he's, these people won't buy it because he's supposed to be so good at reading people. And if not, he, he's just totally missing it. But it's it's so different than what he was just a few minutes ago that Odin that it's I, I think you're right. It's hard. It's hard to pin down exactly where it could be coming from. Oh, for sure. I absolutely think it's hard. And I think that's the thing about him, like, even all the way through the Loki series, like, uh, to the very end, I was like, when's he going to turn on on whoever? Like, I'm still, like, waiting on the other shoe to drop, uh, waiting on the other horn to drop. You know, I just, like, <laughs> uh, like, it, it, it's it's... I think he's definitely being manipulative and I don't think he's being sincere when he says things like, oh, I'm so sorry I can't go get Thor. But I think he's trying his best to make that case because I just think he wants somewhere to belong. He wants someone to buy into his claim to the throne so that maybe he can stay there and maybe he can develop his own. And we see him uh, after Thor Ragnarok – or I'm sorry, after Thor the Dark World, He once he does finally get to be on the throne for a while, we see the the – the only place he ever achieved his goal and he's just like sitting, eating grapes, tell, having them tell tales, tell propaganda plays about his greatness, you know, like he really wants to be loved. And I think like that's what he was going for here. It just didn't didn't achieve it just yet. Yeah, because he really does come across insincere. And that's like the insincerity that just like emanates from him through this. It really it really uh, is is palpable. I, I think that is another thing, too, though. There's another layer of the acting here that I noticed. And it's like this is an actor acting as a bad actor. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, like, oh, yeah, this you're is right. Loki pretending this is Loki acting. This isn't Tom Hiddleston acting. Does that make sense? So when he's like, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot go get Thor. I cannot undo. We need, uh, what's he say? We need a c- consistency right now or whatever. Sorry, that's a later scene. But it does, but it does come across like he's like from, from the way I hear it. Like I, I feel like some of that is him purposefully being insincere as he says it, but doing it in a, in a really like he's, He's sugarcoating like the fact that he I'm not going to do anything for you. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I feel like my read is a little different because I feel like he just comes across so insincere and so like he's just digging at them with his false sincerity is the way that I read it. Like, I, I just I totally think that he uh, he knows they don't like him and he's really playing it right here. Yeah, because we did see, and that's what I was kind of getting at with the bullying, that like he was kind of the runt of their group, and they all did pick on him somewhat. But here's the thing that for me just adds another layer of it, is I don't think he's sincere, but I also think he's right. Like when he says, like, as king, the, fir- I sh- the, the first thing I do shouldn't be to cancel the last thing that Odin did. And then he talks about, like, you know, he's been talking this whole time about Thor is not someone who should be back yet and be a responsible leader. And we we know all the ways in which he's so, you know, personally invested in this and not doing it actually for the good of Asgard. But I'm still kind of on Team Loki, I have to say, in terms of like, yeah, I don't think sure Thor should be brought back yet. Also, I don't think that Loki thinks that his being in charge is bad for Asgard. I think he thinks that he's the smarter brother and that his being king makes sense. Um, I don't think that he like he, he's a villain and he's like trying to do a bad thing, but he doesn't necessarily believe it's a bad thing, even for other people. He's selfish, but like he thinks that his 
I mean, he, he says it in Avengers, like, you know, uh, all what you need is me to rule you, you know, like that's what you need. All you people deserve my rule. And it's a good thing. And up to this point, he's not wrong. You know, like, I think we can think that he'd be pretty bad. But what from what we've seen in the movie, if Thor is king, well, then war is going to come back against the Jotuns, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, and, and we're getting a little ahead. A lot of that's in our next minute. Uh, yeah. But uh, but still, I mean, it, this is it, it is an interesting minute because there is a lot of stuff going on here with just, I mean, their reaction to the fact that Loki is king and the way that he stands and, you know, rises before them and says, you're king. I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's such a power play to me, especially the way that he takes Gungnir and like, you know, hits it on the ground, just like Odin would have, would have done. I noticed his voice drops almost an octave and a half as he says that. And I feel like those two <laughs> words are like the only time he's being sincere. You know, it's the, you can bring your urgent matter to me, your king. Like, that, that to me was when he's really like, Okay, I'm trying to pretend to be friends, but remember, I do have this power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so let's kind of go back and just talk a little bit about it more shot by shot. Like, just this, that first scene of Odin has always, like, taken up the whole shot, you know, every time we've seen him in his glory. And I thought it's so interesting and very intentional that when we finally get to see Loki on the throne, he's kind of tiny. You know, there's this huge thing behind him. It looks kind of like a carving of the eagle or something like that. And and Loki's very small in that. And I feel like that was very intentional. Mm. And, I mean, this this shot of Loki, the way that he's sitting on the throne, like the leaning back a little bit with his arms on the side and stuff, it is like an iconic Loki drawing that uh, not just one uh, comic book artist has done in the course of the comics, but multiple. Because People love this look of Loki with the horned helmet and everything sitting in the throne. And it's just such an iconic element that I think that um, they were probably just excited to, like, find a way to make it feel as kind of, like, uh, uh, ominous as possible. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the the royal succession system here, because... And granted, I mean, we we don't get to read the Asgardian Constitution. We don't quite understand it, for sure. But we very much know that Odin is not dead. And he is fully expected to wake back up, at least from what we know to this point. And like in royalty systems in our own world, you know, this is where this is what a regent would do. You know, if the king is either too young or is sick, you know, a regent rules in their place, but is very clearly not the king. So I, I, I'm kind of curious. Do you think is this is Loki kind of, you know, jumping the gun somewhat? Is it supposed to be that he would that? Like Thor would have become king when Odin had gone into the Odin sleep if it had been as planned. What what's going on there? Well, I mean, I think that was the intention. Is I mean, you know, pulling information from this as well as the script. I think that the idea was, you know, Odin had put off the Odin sleep for for a very very long time, and uh, finally was getting ready to go into the Odin sleep because his body needed it, and then he was he was about to coronate Thor make him king so that he could step into the Odin sleep, which, you know, he he goes into also, you know, theoretically, it's usually for a long time to kind of restore his, uh, the Odin force, which he needs to restore so that he has all of his powers. Um, I don't know if they ever say how long it is, but, um, you know, according to the the wiki, it could, this particular Odin sleep, he might never have waken up from. And so, Based on that, I guess that's why. And I, I, my sense of it is like you know when a king, and again, I, I don't, I don't think my 
knowledge of like my histories with kings is that strong. But like when a king would like leave or something like that, they would put like a, a successor on the throne to rule in their stead until they came back, who would then take over if that king had died. Like I, I, I always think of Robin Hood and the king who was on the throne while uh, Richard the Lionheart was off fighting. Oh, yeah, King John. Yes, right. That's that's my sense of it. That makes sense. So, and then of course, we also see him holding uh, Gungnir, which I guess maybe it's just passed down from king to king. And that's a strange one because Gungnir in the comics, only Odin can hold it. And so to me, it's a little, I, I don't know, I guess they just said, you know, it maybe it's going to change with the title. So I, I wasn't exactly sure uh, what that change was, but, uh, you know, it doesn't bug me too much. I think it looks fine. Yeah. There's a whole separate universes thing where you're just like, well, okay, not from the comics, but this is a different thing, different universe. Exactly. Uh, we'll talk next uh, next week about how there is actually a scene that was shot and then deleted. There being some officiality to him becoming king. Because here it just seems like Odin falls and everyone's worried about Odin. And he just kind of strolls into the throne room and says, well, I'm king now. <laughs> right. Which I think is kind of an interesting dynamic to it. It's a, it's a nice uh, way of revealing it in the – it's very sinister, uh, him sitting on the throne as they walk in. That shadow is – it's not not a mistake the way they like light him and the shadow uh, to really make it a sinister thing that he's like approached and been coronated. So it's, it's, it's nice uh, instead of like – I don't know, having him having him have that scene. It was nice to see be in shock with the Warriors three and Sif. Well, we kind of get to the end of the minute and it's again just these great reaction shots of, you know, he says, Remember, I'm I'm your king, and, and there's that as you point out, that's just echoing sound as the staff is banged against the ground. And they all kind of look at each other and they all start to kind of go into, okay, this is the king. And Volstag is the first, and he kind of goes to his knees and they all follow. And I just love, it's so subtly done, but Sif never lowers her eyes. And you just see the look on her face is just like, sure, I'm going to play your game, but you're not my king. That, and that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like she's trying to uh, play right back with Loki and do what Loki wants so that hopefully she can get what she wants. Because, I mean, it was, I, I mean, my sense is that, it, you know, they left the healing room late the previous night. This is the next morning. And all of a sudden, Loki's king. It's like, what just happened over the time we were just sleeping? Like, it was, it's it's such a short thing. And they were just, like, raising all these suspicions about Loki. And, and suddenly, like, you know, he left the room upset and they come in and now he's king. I mean, yeah, they're, I can see why they're taking those suspicions to this point where, like, something something nefarious is happening now. Mm. So it's, it's, it plays interestingly. And even when she then she then asks, you know, uh, for what they came for to, you know, can you then undo his banishment? Just the way she says my king, it seems so, you know, it's like some person who's like, no, you need to call me, you know, Mr. Fox instead of Matthew. And so someone's like, all right, fine, Mr. Fox, will you mind getting out of the vehicle? Like, that's that's the way I get it. Like, there's no respect uh, in her in her as she says those words. They're both playing the role of like king and subject. It's just that Loki wants that role to remain the case. And Sif is clearly just like, I'll say this for now, but this is not how I plan to live my life. You know, um, the the dagger she gives him with her eyes is just pretty intense. Well, and again, just like the whole fact that they're so suspicious of Loki, like this whole thing that Hogan commented on the fact that there's a master, a master of magic could have brought in. Um, Jotuns into the house of Odin, uh, you know, 
King Laufey said that there were there was uh, an enemy amongst us, basically, and they instantly jumped to Loki just because, you know, they're a little suspicious of the fact that he's always been jealous of Thor, as Sif says. And it just it does end up striking me so funny that, uh, again, we know they're right. But at the same time, in context of the story, it just feels like such a leap in logic for them. Well, the question is, like, I, I, I know that the he does horrible things, but are they right? The way they treat him as an outsider, would things have been different if it would, he, would they have not inspired him to be so like, I have to be forceful and assert my place in this world because I feel like no one's giving me the respect I deserve. You know, is he the God of mischief because they pushed him into it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I don't know how much of a role he had, but certainly I think if if I'm now telling the story of the, you know, the villain origin story, um, he definitely is up there as one of my more sympathetic villains just by how his father treated him, you know, in terms of lying to him and then not taking him seriously and kind of, you know, keeping him in Thor's shadows. And and yeah, I do have a, you know, as a kid who was bullied when, on the playground, I definitely, you know, watching the rest of them treat it, the way they treat him and the way Thor kind of treats him like a pet almost, you know, like, I love you when I want you, but oh, don't you dare, you know, remember your place, brother, something you said earlier. So yeah, I think there, I think, I think this is kind of his heel turn moment. You know, this is where he saw his father go down. It, it broke him almost, but then he was like, but wait, now I get to have the power. And I think this, this moment really establishes like now he's, whatever he's feeling in the back of his head, he's taking that power and he's not going to shy away from it. Mm. So do you think it would have been stronger if, if Hiddleston didn't play it quite so much like he's uh, like, uh, you know, throwing digs at them. But if he played it just like he was just being very straight leader, like would that have changed the way that the scene um, read? Because it, like you said, I mean, it does come across like, wow, this was a huge turn for Loki to go from where he was before to all of a sudden now, like he's really like almost acting like I'm your enemy. I don't think these feel like digs to me. I think these feel like, and I know, I know y'all see it differently, but I, to me, his like presentation here is more about someone who feels incredibly insecure in the role that he's trying to take on. And the, he knows these four people want to, he may see them as enemies, but he doesn't want to be their enemy necessarily. I, I see him as like, no, we can't do that. We have to do this. This is how it has to be. And I am, I am this shaky actor up here trying to pretend like I fit in this role, but I don't really. And that all that like, um, mm -hmm. insincerity, I think comes from the fact that he's like, not comfortable he's not actually the king he's never been been trained or raised to do this really he is like uh he's just forcing himself into that role and trying to grab power because he feels like he's being thrown out i wonder if it might be kind of a both and instead of or situation with that your king being the real fulcrum here because like i said his voice changes dramatically yeah and i think one way i could understand the scene is that early in the minute he is hoping like he's hoping to convince them and then by the time he says that is when he says, okay, I'm not going to convince you. I'm just going to command you because I am, I want you to be my friend and I want you to think of me as your friend. But when he sees that's not getting you in, he's like, well, okay, but I'm also your king. Yeah. And now what you think doesn't matter anymore. I'm just going to lay down the law. I think that's the case. And I think, I think he really wants these people to care about him. He's been there with them fighting by their side as well. Like just like Thor and the Warriors three, but like, he 
also knows that they don't trust him and knows that they, you know, it makes me wonder if any of them knew of his origins or if they just saw the uh, sort of his nature as being more deceptive. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. I think in an earlier minute when when the whole reveal happens with him being, um, you know, from Jotunheim, it's like, what did people like all of the people in Asgard, like did Frigga, did did Odin then have to stage something with Frigga to have her leave Asgard for a set period of time and then come back with a new child, you know, because like, like all of a sudden, like they have this new baby, like wouldn't people in Asgard <laughs> ask questions? Like, yeah. I, 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 And would there be like rumors and murmurs of this that maybe the Warriors 3 knew about? Uh, where others like maybe even Thor wouldn't have known because he's too close to it, but other people in the kingdom going like something's weirder with this new kid. Exactly. I think all that's probably true. I think though the other part of it is that these are the people for whom Thor can do no wrong. And, you know, we've already seen that. Like we, we, we saw Thor almost get them like Fandral came pretty close to getting killed and the rest of them were, were pretty much in danger as well. All because Thor was a complete idiot and a jackass and they still don't see it. They still want to be like, no, Thor, it, it was just not a big deal. Let's bring him back. And, and so I think that, you know, for Loki, like I think kind of that was Loki's whole plan was he wanted not just Odin, but them to see Thor's not a good leader. You know, it's, it's the kind of like the emperor is walking naked down the street, but everyone is still saying, look at their new clothes, you know, and and you get from like there's so much tension there because Loki is the one pointing that out. And that's not what the friends want to hear. Yeah. And it's easier for them to be like, you know, again, it's the brilliance, I think, of all these moments is that Loki's being a villain. But I think he's also right. You know, he's the only one who sees that Thor needs to go through this growth that that he winds up doing. Well, yeah, I, I don't think he's saying, let me put Thor through the ringer right, just so he can be a better king. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the dark irony of it all is that Loki exactly. creates the one thing he doesn't want. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise, like I said, we would have the party Thor that we had on What If. Yep. <laughs> That actually would have been a that that's actually a great kind of uh thing to experiment and play with as well is like if Loki didn't let those Jotuns in and so Thor is coronated and then as king does something monumentally stupid it's the almost Shakespearean fatal flaw of did Loki in trying to get what he wanted do the one thing that prevented him from getting what he wanted by because he winds up making Thor into a better king absolutely it's yeah. a fun it'd be a fun what if right. All right. Well, we have so much again in the last minute to get into. So we'll kind of move on to that uh, tomorrow. Is there any other last thing we want to talk about, though? No, I think I'm a juicy minutes and one more juicy minute to come. <laughs> I, I got to say, um, I, I like New Mexico, but right now I'm, I'm my heart is on Team Asgard. Like there's just so much more <laughs> to talk about with these than, uh, you know, walking through a diner. Uh, but, you know, once the uh, Asgard's going to come to uh, humanity as well. So we'll get both sides of that later in the later in the movie. Uh, Matt, again, just for people who want to know more about you, you know, Stranded Panda, MCU cast, where do they find all this stuff? Yeah, strandedpanda.com. You can find everything. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast is obviously the most related thing to what I do here, or you guys do here. So thank you for having me um, so much. Uh, but yeah, we also do a bunch of other podcasts over there uh, that me and you and uh, a bunch of other folks host on strandedpanda.com, as well as the music and the video and all the things. Yeah, definitely, definitely check all that out. Well, Matt, thanks so much. For, um, given how many things you do, thanks so much for finding the time to be with us today. Andy, thank you as always for everything you've done to make this happen. And to all our fans, you're what makes this happen. Let us know what you think. 
Give us your feedback and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music